DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Bill Clark, football coach at UAB, Alabama, Birmingham. They are getting ready to face BYU in the Independence Bowl. He joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line, Smart Rain state-of-the-art. Smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs or call 877-346-3333. Coach, good morning. Morning. How are you guys? Doing well. And it seems like the Blazers doing pretty well, too. Eight and four, a uh, second-place finish in your division. What got you to eight wins? What is the core of this team that accounted for the success? Yeah, you know, we had a lot of our guys that um, had been with us for a while end up, I guess, with COVID, probably like a lot of folks. We ended up getting that extra year. Um, with kind of our core group uh, of seniors back and just a really good group. You know, they've had, you know, a pretty good bit of success. And, and um, you know, we had a really tough schedule this year, but, you know, thought they did a good job of leading us. Well, as I look at your stats, Coach, uh, you guys are awesome against the run. Your run defense is uh, what? Uh, I think it's a top five or something like that. Uh, I think top top 12 is what it was. I got I wrote it down. And 15th ranked defense. So, could you tell us? I mean, there's guys that I can go down and look at uh, Turner up front uh, and right and in the back at uh, Cash. Just tell us about your defense and what has made it so effective this season. You know, I think for all of us, uh, you know, defense is an ever evolving uh, situation with kind of what's going on offensively. And, you know, we say, especially what's trended in. in in this football in general offensively, you know, with tempo and spread and all the different things you have to defend, you know, I think for us that's kind of been a hallmark, you know, since we brought the program, I've kind of got a defensive background. So we always say we're going to build it with with playing, you know, trying to play great defense. Um, but, you know, I think this group, uh, you know, it's it's kind of year to year as you go. And we've had some injuries this year, probably like a lot of folks. I know BYU's going through the same thing on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but for the most part, I feel like they've done a good job. And then, you know, against the run, we've been pretty good this year, no doubt. You've also got a running back who can really, really run the ball. Uh, Dwayne McBride, almost 1,200 yards, and he got hurt and only got seven carries in the last game. He only needed 12 more yards, so I assume he would have gotten that. What makes him so good? Yeah, you know, he's, you know, like, like all good running backs, got really good vision, but he's really strong, really powerful. Um, you know, really good on yards after contact, uh, explosive. Uh, you know, he's just really done good. I mean, I think he had, what, 99 yards at, in the first quarter before he got hurt. I hate that for him. I think he would have probably broke the, or, or, or led the conference. You know, I think he ended up leading the conference anyway. But, you know, I think just he would have – that would have been a great game to see him if he got to play three more quarters. But he's really had a good year for us. You've outscored opponents in the first half, something like 209 to 148. Any particular reason that you seem to get off to great starts? You know, I think, it, you know, for us, you know, and once again, I don't know what what creates great starts, what creates fast starts. We talk about it, you know, but I think sometimes it's – I think we lost about six out of the last seven, seven coin tosses, and, you know, everybody's been deferring a lot. And – um you know, I think that's kind of been the thing for all of us. I was always a guy that deferred. Uh, so our offense has kind of gotten the ball first and, and done well, you know. But, you know, I think all of us are, are scared to say that because it's like, okay, you know, we don't want to say we started fast and, you know, 
because you're, you're worried about the next game. But the offense has done a good job of, of coming out the gate fast. Bill Clark joining us, football coach at UAB. So your team goes 8-4 and four and lose to Georgia early and UTSA late. And we understand those are really good teams that had great seasons. Uh, the Liberty and, missed, and Rice losses were a little bit of a mystery to me. When I was reading up on Rice, turns out that for whatever reason, matchups, I don't know what it is, uh, they've, they've beaten you several times the last few years. Can you explain what happened in those two years? Because you, you handled a lot of teams, and I can't figure out what went wrong there. Well, two things. Rice has not beaten us. This is the first time they've beaten us since I've been here. So, um, Rice, I mean, give them credit. They had a quarterback that's been out. He came back. We were on an eight game. I don't make an excuse, but we were on an eight game um, without an open date, and we were banged up. And, hey, they came and played us good. We scored to win the game. There was 11 seconds left. I feel like we would have won to get a holding call on it. Just we give him credit. Liberty's a, you know, it's a good team. You know, we just did three, three and a half and they came out second half and played well for us. But um you know, but Rice, no, that was the first time we'd lost them since I've been here. Well UTSA we already said is a good team. I think I might have known why you lost. I mean you outgained them by a hundred yards and they scored right at the end. You held them to 65 yards rushing. Harris, their quarterback, did throw for 323. But the number that jumped out at me for you guys in the negative was 13 penalties for 124 yards. Uh, I'm guessing that had to get under your skin. Has that been a problem this year or no? Yeah, I mean, I think penalties are always something that we all look at. So um, I think last few games were probably, you know, Marshall, we were were good there. In El Paso, we were better. But no, the UTSA game was a problem. So when you look at BYU and you look at the matchups there, what is the number one thing that conf- that worries you about the way your team matches up with them? Oh, gosh. I mean, you could go through the list. I mean, you know, start with their offense. They've got weapons all over the field. Um, yeah, I think they're really good at receiver. they got tight ends that can catch the ball. Um, they're very well coached. They're big up front. Great. Running back's great, but there's, there's multiple of them. The quarterback can run and throw. Um, they're very diverse. They take shots. I mean, so we, we can talk all day about offensively. And then defensively, same thing. And I know the head coach's background, Coach Taki, you know, when you've got a head coach that's got a defensive background, they're always going to be good defensively, very multiple. Um, once again, big up front. History of, you know, you know, you talk about BYU, you talk about a history of winning, you know. So they expect to win. Uh, really good in the special teams. So, you know, it's just a, obviously it's just a really, really good team. They've done a great job. You speak of tight ends. Your tight end uh, Prince leads the nation in uh, yards per per reception at twenty yards each of us thirty two receptions and uh, eight touchdowns. He a big play for big play guy for you, I would assume. Yeah, Prince has really had a great year. Um, just kind of the guy we always thought he could be. He was that hybrid receiver, uh, had been a receiver in junior college, and we moved him to tight end. The whole time we know he's a mismatch because uh, he runs so well, and he'll have a chance to keep playing past us, you know. But he's done a he's done a heck of a job, you know. And, and we've done a good job offensively finding creative ways to get him the ball. Dylan Hopkins, your quarterback, you talked about a lot of seniors back, but uh, he is a he is a junior and. The attempts, 212 attempts over the course of a season seems a little on the low end, really kind of picking your spots there in the passing game? Yeah, that's kind of been our deal. You know, we've always been able to run the ball. 
and uh, and then take our throws when we when we want to and when they fit. He's really come on, and uh, we had a long time starter in Tyler Johnston, uh, who had gone through some injuries, and Dylan got his opportunity. Really, he's done well, and he's getting better every week. As I look at your schedule this year, you're due to win because you've had three two-game winning streaks. So you lost to San Antonio, but then you beat El Paso, and that was your last game. So the bowl game, you are shooting for four two-game winning streaks. I know that's sign of an oddity, but it also tells me your team is able to get past losses and move on. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good point. I think that's one of the things as coaches, the hardest thing as a coach is to – is to get them up the you know the week after loss. I mean, and, and especially like last week, that was such a big deal for us losing that UTSA game because it was for the championship. Really, you know, to get us in the championship game. Really, we would still have to beat El Paso, but um, yeah, and then to come back and play a good El Paso team and and find a way to win and all the things you go through for a season. You know, I don't I don't know, but you know how streaks go. But you know, as far as you know, coming back after a loss, that's that is something I'm proud of. Obviously, UAB has the unique situation where the program was shut down and then brought back, and that was big enough news. We heard about it on this side of the country, and I'm curious, as the coach, and there's so many details that go into it, are there long-term ramifications to that? Are you past that? Where does that stand? Yeah, I think we are past it now. I do think that, you know, you just start talking about the history of college football, I mean, how many times has that ever happened, and then to bring it right back, but... You know what happened? The, the community fought and said, "No, this program is important." And uh, you know, we've went out and raised probably about sixty million for facilities and all the things that were needed, and built you know, built a new facility here. And then our community came together. And we bought a we built a city stadium uh, downtown that's state of the art. There was a combination of the city and the county and and UAB coming together and building this state of the art stadium that we just opened up this year. Uh, you know, about midway through the year, we got in there. So that's a huge deal for us. And, you know, we feel like the you know the future is very bright. You know, obviously Birmingham loves football, and you know, with the economic center of the state, we got the great university that's a medical school. Um, so you know, we got a great university, and now we've got the commitment. And obviously, you know, we're taking a step going to the American Conference. Um, you know, we'll play one more year, but we're you know in a year we'll be in the American Conference. So all, you know, everything's trended in the right direction. Well, Coach, we appreciate a few minutes this morning. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to the game. Okay, guys. Thanks for having me on. Bill Clark, UAB football coach, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Yeah? Feel pretty good about BYU's chances after listening to him? No. (laughs) No? I don't even know if they're going to have their coach. Okay, well, that's a wild card, and if that happens, then we can reassess. You asked me the question. I gave you the answer. I don't know if they're going to have the coach. I mean, John Canzano reported. If John Canzano reports it, I mean, come on. He's got his finger on the pulse of the state of Oregon. He's right there with the hammer. I mean, once these guys report it, then it becomes big news. I reported, nah, not much. (laughs) We need a national guy to confirm and if you don't put it on, and I'm and I'm now uh, rejecting putting it on Twitter just out of spite. <laughs> You've drawn a line in the sand, and this is it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, he reported that they were gonna, they've uh, made contact, and I didn't see that coming. I, 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 that was a shocker. Pretty sure you did. <laughs>
<laughs> so, it, it, I, it's funny the 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 hierarchy, man. If you if you have any form of print, you rank much higher. Radio has to be the lowest. I mean, when we go to the stadiums, you could say by the seating chart. I am beyond the dot com fan people. I mean, the the person next to me at Allegiant Stadium had on a Utah shirt and a Utah hat, and I sit left of them. Could you not take up all that space at the 15-yard line, sir? Could you move, move down? aside. Move down to the 7 or 8. So they view radio as like the lowest form of medium. <laughs> and I have a fair amount of credentials, not much. We've got to get you back on back with the paper, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the first year down at the Mountain West Tournament uh, basketball. I didn't even have a seat. And I look at it, the Green Valley Tri-Monthly had a seat. <laughs> And, and Javen, the guy that I'd known for years, Javen, is there something wrong here? <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? <laughs> I mean, we still write. I mean, I write for KSL. It's, it's, it's by far. Nothing against the Watchdog, but the, it's by far the leading uh, website in the state. Uh, well, then put that on your on your request instead of radio. But it doesn't work that way. You can't. And I didn't fill out the credential anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but it, yeah, I mean, certainly we've known about it, and I don't. But I don't. Ha- I have nothing new to report. I what 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 I don't like to do is the, the people who give you information. I don't badger them, so I'm not hitting them up three, four times a day because then they get irritated. What about now? How about now? Yeah, right, right. How about right, now? Right. So there's really, from from my perspective, there's nothing left to report right now. Uh, you know, in a day or two. That's another story. We got to let it settle. I don't know that he's going to get the job. I don't know that he's been offered the job. I know he wants the money that goes along with the job. Who wouldn't? And I know BYU is going to do what they can uh, within the uh, BYU so-called reason, you know, whatever that within reason is. Uh, so that it changes, so it's hard to nail down. Yeah, um, they're, they're going to do what they believe is right. Whether I think it's right, I don't know, because I don't know that I'll know the full extent of what they think is right. They like to be buttoned down, but there's people out there who will talk, people who out there who trust you, you know, and the expansion stuff that was, I had, well, I don't want to go into it. I don't want to give up anybody, but, uh, you know, information was available. So we'll see what happens, but that's a big deal for the Cougars. I mean, and I guess there's some guys that, uh, players, who've gone on Twitter, you, you folks live on Twitter a lot more than I do, uh, that said uh, we're going to go where Kalani goes or something along those yeah, lines? Yeah, the transfer from Oregon, Kingsley Sue and Matias said something like that. Mason Wake, who joins Jake and Ben, has been joining them weekly all season long, said make sure you take care of this man. So of course. Players speaking out for him. Yeah, well, if you're winning and you're playing, you're going to love the guy. If you're losing or you're not playing and or you're not playing, well, that's another story. But if you're winning and you're getting your time, whatever position you are, uh, then you're in love with him. And who wouldn't be in love with this guy? This guy's a very lovable guy, and he'll love you back. You know, I, I don't know what the scale would be, but uh, he'd have to rank right at the top of of pl- coaches who love their players. And it's a cliche and all that stuff. But you know, with him, there's a degree of truth there for sure. So they've got to figure. He's got to figure it out. And if he even gets offered, I don't know that he's going to get offered. I can't say that. I, I, I certainly cannot report that whatsoever, nor am I willing to at this time. There are other names that have been out there. Will he be the first, second, or third choice? Will the first choice take it? Would it fall to him if he were second? 
I mean, there's a lot of different ways this could go. Well, it would fall to him if the first choice didn't take if it. If he were second. second. <laughs> Maybe he'll be first and it'll fall to somebody else. And, uh, I don't knows? know. I don't yeah. know all those uh, complexities. <clears throat> but I know Maybe John that. Canzano does. I wouldn't surprise me if he does. He will. If he doesn't now. I think you have to let the process play a little bit, you know. It's a, they, the word became official on Monday, and if there's no 100% obvious candidate, well, then you got to take your time because the coordinators have, you know, they're new, they've left, uh, the offensive coordinator left, the uh, coordinator last year uh, went down to Vegas, and the other coordinator from the year before went to Boise. So it's not like, you know, with uh, when Urban Meyer left and, and Chris Hill will have in studio here in an hour – I mean, Kyle Whittingham had been there many years, a decade or so, maybe even longer. I'd have to go back, and, and I think it was right around 10 years. And it so it was obvious, you know, he was a, a leading candidate, if not the leading candidate. It doesn't mean Chris Hill didn't talk to other people. Uh, so for Oregon, there's these coordinators don't jump out at you and make it obvious. And in Notre Dame, they, they went actually with one guy for one year. You know, their coordinator had only been there for one year. 35 but, years old, man. So bold. I hope he succeeds big time. But in-house, they thought it was obvious. And you can see where that would be an issue at Oregon. It could have been an issue at Notre Dame. It just happened with that guy. They thought it was obvious. Yeah, similar situation. Bold move. Um, it's just a 35-year-old, and he had himself admitted, I never expected this. But now he's got this opportunity, this massive opportunity. Who's to say? Who's to say he doesn't kill it? I don't know. You never, you never really know until they, they get in that position. I, I wish him very well. I've grown up as a, a Notre Dame fan, but my definition of fan is much different than most folks' definition of fan. In my household, we certainly followed Notre Dame. I don't, I don't live and die by Notre Dame's results. That's the difference with me. But I'm certainly a fan of their program for sure. And it was very much a thrill to take my parents back there. And I took them, literally. I, I forked uh, over the whole thing. And plus the watchdog with the uh, hotel and rent a car. Led the legendary stories with my mother in the Cougar Club eating breakfast <laughs> that I told at her funeral. <laughs> and after the game, it was pretty good, too. Though. Oh, after the game, After yeah. the game, yeah. holding court, just sit over here, be quiet, watch the game. <laughs> Come back a few minutes later, <laughs> the party is on, yep. stories are being told, people are being regaled. Oh, yeah, we just needed a fire going. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they didn't play with fire in the press box. Save that for Georgia Tech. <laughs> they were not quiet. They, 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 they did not follow instructions to what I had asked them to do, but they had a whale of a time. They talked about it right to the end of their lives, too, so I'm so glad it happened. As my father obviously grew up uh, Irish Catholic, a longtime Notre Dame fan, as so many of them are, and that was way cool. Uh, but that's somebody who got a, got a bold opportunity in Oregon. Uh, in, we had on Lincoln Kennedy, and I asked him about uh, USC, do they have, to, they have to go sexy? And he said, absolutely. And they did. You know, big time sexy with Lincoln Riley. Does Oregon really need sexy? Um, I don't think they do to an extent. They need somebody who's going to be there because they've gone through a bunch of coaches here in a relatively short span of time. And I think that's the, that is extremely important. You've got to get somebody who can win, of course, but you've got to get somebody who's going to invest in the community. Four in a decade is a lot of coaches. Yeah, because this is a premier program with just untold amounts of, if not limitless, resources, but yet it's been a stepping stone. Now, Helfrich was fired, uh, but the, uh, the last two have 
bounce. And even Kelly, you know, Kelly took off. Did he take off ahead of the posse? Yes. Uh, I guess you could say that, uh, you know, but did P. Carroll take off of that? Yeah. I, I don't really get into the cheating because I think it's a freeway full of speeders. <laughs> <laughs> Which car gets pulled over. Yeah. I really believe that from all the stuff that I've been exposed to. Now, I come at life from a cynical point of view, but also, too, it's not baseless. I mean, guys have told me so much stuff over the years that you just, you roll your eyes now. It's like, of course, guys who are held up as being the utmost clean, no. But then there are other guys that they don't even look at it. They're friends of them. Yeah, yeah, I know they cheat, but what is cheating? And that's what it's become down to. So I don't look at Kelly and Carol thinking, oh, my gosh. Those guys were, you know, they did what they did. So be it. And they're trying to win. So that's sort of the way I look at it. But I think it's important for Oregon to get somebody. And I think Kalani would be there for a good while. The only way I could see him leaving is if the Ute job opened up, which it will. Uh, and would he want to come home there? But, you know, if you sign somebody, you know, whoever you sign, you can't guarantee that he's going to be there 15 years because you're not willing to give him a 15-year contract in the first place. But they haven't had anybody stay five years. They've had a bunch of guys either leave after four or, in the case of Helfridge, get fired after four. Yeah, and that's interesting for a program of that stature. Four in a decade, five in 15 years, that is a lot of coaches. Yeah. <clears throat> So it'll be very, very interesting to see what they do and which direction they go. But back to BYU playing in this game, certainly I expect them to win. Uh, but I don't scoff at UAB. I mean, we tend to look at these programs, okay, you're down here and the other program's up there, so that program's going to win. I get a certain logic on that. But you also can look at, you know, they're down there, and, and Birmingham's just down the road, up the, up the road from Tuscaloosa. So much talent in that area that I, don't, I just don't disrespect somebody just because they're from a lower conference. And I, don't, I don't buy that at all. That may end up being that way, but if BYU beats them, it's going to be because they're better than them, not simply because, oh, they're from a lower conference. It's not like an Idaho State situation. You know, that's another. That's an entirely different ball game. Well, in a lot of these conferences, there's a big gap from the top to the bottom of the conference. I mean, the Mountain West made a lot of hay out of what they did against the Pac-12 this year, but the whole Mountain West didn't do it. San Diego State got two of those wins. Fresno beat UCLA and got one of those wins. So UAB is near the top of their league. Yeah, and they basically shot themselves in the foot against San Antonio. Over uh, 13 penalties. And San Antonio scored literally right at the end. So, and you so look that, at their defense, their defense has eye popping numbers. If you play Georgia, you're going to lose a game, and they got two other games that went right to the bitter end that they lost. Yeah. I still expect the Cougars to win, but I think it's a major blow if they have an interim coach. Especially depending on how many of the assistants are gone. I mean, we've seen situations where teams have been missing one or two coaches, we've seen situations where teams are missing five or six coaches. Yeah, I think because it's so early, though, they would still be there. It's next week. You know, it's, what, nine days away? So I think that's a little different in this situation. You know, that's I think that's part of the re- reason with Bronco coaching in the Vegas Bowl, the old Vegas Bowl at Sammy Boyd, because it was done early. So if these guys decide in the next uh, three days or so, 
I think it will be wrapped up fairly quickly if it should happen that at that point, uh, you know, you, you're, you're in a game week. You can ride it out another week, I would think, uh, as far as that goes. But that, that's unsettling either way. So, and I still expect BYU to win, and they're going to go, uh, what, 11-2? and two? What did they go? Were they 11-1 last year? Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's so what's that? 22-3, uh, and three, winning 88% of your games. Yeah, that's that really awesome. A sweet run. And I think if he goes, people will just say, man, that sucks for BYU, but congratulations to you. And then they go through the search again. You know, and we'll identify two or three candidates and, and one of them will get the job. And that, that'll be it. But I think for, the, the Oregon numbers will come out at some point. Oh, it's a public university. It right. has to. So They're available. If, if the numbers are massive, people will shrug and go, well, there goes Nike. Yeah, but even if somebody gets a million-dollar raise, are you going to say don't take a million-dollar raise? I certainly no. am not. <laughs> no. Because there's much more than that. It's much more than his simple, not simple, but simply his paycheck. Paycheck for the, all the, the assistance. Uh, the, 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 the complete funding of the program. What's the recruiting budget like? Obviously, their facilities are off the charts, and... They continue to build and build and build. Yeah, and a lot of it is transportation for recruiting. You know, do you have to drive up to Portland and go through security and, and sit there, and then you're in the winter, and this flight and that flight is canceled and this and that, and especially these days, you know? As opposed well, to getting on a private jet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big, big difference. That can make a massive difference in quality of life. Which is important because these guys, there really is, there's a, there's a season in which you play games and then there's a season in which you don't play games, but it's not the off season. At all. No. It's just a, a couple of weeks here and there. You know, that was the whole intramural rant by Dan Hawkins. You know, it is, it is a big time commitment, time commitment for these folks. And they're gone a lot. I, I had one coach tell me spring recruiting he said i can't tell you how much it eats at my heart to know i'm in fill in the blank city when my 10 year old is up to bat or going to kick a soccer ball whatever the instance might be whatever the event activity yeah. team or you know recital yeah uh, band concert whatever whatever it is it doesn't have to be sports. but they're doing their thing yeah and you're not there. And you know, by that time, you understand in your life that those times are never coming back. Uh, now, I don't want to make these guys martyrs. They sign up for it. Go be a BYU entrepreneur, and then you can go do whatever you want. Or the best form of money, I believe, is through inheritance, which you didn't even have to work for. You know how much inheritance I got from my parents when they passed? Uh, they left debt. I was going to go under zero. Uh, they might have left that, but my sister handled that. <clears throat> then zero. Zero point zero zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for carrying it out behind the decimal points. <laughs> but nevertheless, I'm, in a, I'm extremely for, fortunate. I am in a great, great position 
my finances are in order. I knock on wood 1,000 times over to the point I'd have bloody knuckles. <laughs> so I've got zero complaints. I need to highlight that. But inheritance is always beautiful. But these guys, I mean, they, they grind, man. These assistants, even the head coaches, the head coaches are they're lucrative. I mean, they get massive amounts of money and massive amounts of perks. Uh, so good on them, but they also grind too. But the assistants, I mean, they grind big time. So if any of these dudes have an opportunity to get more money, all of us need to just say congratulations. I don't want it to happen. I want Kalani's assistants to stay here. I want them to be BYU lifers if they so choose. Uh, but I that might not be the reality. And obviously it's not going to be a reality. What do they got, 10, 11 coaches and plus staff guys? I mean, you get to know guys over the years, and you end up liking them, and they treat you well, and you want to see them succeed. That That's just the nature of this business. If you've been in the market long enough like you and I have, you end up liking these guys. You get to know them a little bit, and and you want them to succeed, man, and it bothers you if you don't. But at the same time, if they should go, you feel happy for them, but I have to admit, I feel sad for the BYU's fan base because they've waited a long time to be in this position. And now they're here. Yeah. Things and are Oregon comes up. calling. Yeah. But it's life in college football. If you win a lot, someone will come calling. If it's life for if it's life for Oklahoma, if it's life for Notre Dame, how is it not going to be life? For Utah, BYU, and Utah State. Well, if you if you get a Kyle yeah, and he right. decides to say no to Tennessee, you just thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, because it's Notre Dame and Oklahoma, and they just got their coaches poached. Sure, but Utah's paying this man comparatively well in the conference, mm-hmm. and I don't expect the Cougars to play. Sataki at the top of the Big 12. See, that's a that's sort of a it's an accountability transition because now we've got measurables, and these are Baylor isn't and and TCU isn't, but the other ones are public institutions. Mm-hmm. So all that money is available. Yeah, and, and so now we've been fine. Yeah, yeah, right. Now we say, if what you does Iowa compete, State pay? Yeah. What does K State pay? What does Oklahoma State pay? Right, and it's right there in black yeah. and white. What are Cincinnati and UCF paying? That's what's way cool about this is that this is now BYU is going to be held accountable. The days of Lavelle being on the bottom and succeeding, goodbye. Good luck with that. Yeah, it's not going to happen. But the problem is, even if they get to the middle of the league or near the top of the league, if you're winning in the Big 12 in Provo, Utah, the rest of college football is going to think, man, the people in Florida and Texas have huge advantages. How's this guy pulling this off? Sure. And they're going to keep coming, and they're going to double down, and nothing about this is slowing down. I mean, the bidding wars are just getting crazier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but but see, that's the position you want to be in, though. Yeah, it means you're winning. It's the old Chris yeah. Hill line. It probably means you're winning big. You're yeah, I, have... I want my coaches to be sought after. And he said it at a time they were in the Mountain West. Now it's a different time. And I, I will go to my grave saying, you have everything you need to be successful at the highest levels at the University of Utah. And as we transition into the Big 12, I think in about two or three years, I'm going to be able to say the same thing about BYU that I have been saying the last several at Utah, because I really, really believe that. That's why I've been preaching to these kids, hey, look up the street, man. You don't need to go chasing gold. You got gold right here in your backyard. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Mike Smith, Utah Jazz studio analyst, is going to join us coming up in 20 minutes. How hot are the Jazz? Question of the day. We will get to that next. Stay with us.